Hello, I'm Chris Neeland, host of a new podcast, Cult Brand Secrets, brought to you by The Gathering and Evergreen Podcasts. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit and a masterclass for brand and business leaders looking to reap the benefits of cult-like adoration. Each year, The Gathering brings together disruptors from around the globe to learn from and to celebrate the leaders behind iconic brands like Marvel, Skittles, Beats by Dre, Yeti, and the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time ever, this podcast will give you access to some of the exclusive business leader learnings from the gathering's past events. Barbie has transcended being just a toy. She's an icon, she's a symbol. You know, Barbie is a doll that has remained top of its category for 60 years, despite massive competitive threats and shifting consumer preferences. She has helped transform not just how kids play, but more importantly, how society even thinks about women and empowering girls at a young age to dream bigger than they have ever dared to dream before. You know, Barbie was one of the very first doll companies that didn't make baby dolls. When Barbie was introduced, most little girls were playing with baby dolls because most parents thought that the most important thing that they could teach their daughters was how to be a good mom. But Barbie came out with a woman who wore many different outfits and held many different professions, such as she was a doctor, a teacher, an artist, an athlete, even an astronaut. And so as young girls, and frankly even boys, began to play with Barbie, they began to imagine a future of possibilities for themselves that was maybe bigger and grander than we had previously experienced. Barbie has sold over a billion dolls worldwide. And when we were doing our research, we were just blown away by their global presence, but also by these diehard fans and collectors who have a completely irrational love affair with all things Barbie. We just love to see that type of over-the-top devotion to a brand because it means that its marketers are doing something right. Now, Barbie's history isn't without controversy or periods of sales declines. Those are to be expected when you're running a global behemoth. But what we found was most impressive is how the Barbie team, led by Lisa McKnight since 2016, has responded and rebounded and made that business and that brand stronger today than it has ever been. Lisa is a tremendous leader and a tremendous spokesperson for Barbie. So I'm excited for you to hear what she has to say. Here's Lisa. Well, hi everyone. It is so great to be with you all today. I'm Lisa McKnight, Senior Vice President and Global Head of Barbie and the Dolls Portfolio at Mattel. I wanna thank the gathering team for recognizing Barbie as a cult brand honoree. It's a privilege to be here representing the global Barbie team. I'm here today to talk about what makes a brand truly loved. And by that, I mean the rare brand that really connects with us, that gets us viscerally, like the best of best friends does. Barbie, is one of those extraordinary brands. For perspective, she's the number one toy property and the number one girl's brand in the world. 
and she's a global icon. So yes, Barbie's popular. And there are plenty of successful businesses built on popularity. But she can also be polarizing, misunderstood by some and beloved by others. Barbie is a brand that's lived at the heart of culture for a remarkable 62 years in a category where the life expectancy of a typical toy is three to five years. Today, I'll tell you her remarkable story, a biography really, that chronicles Barbie's brilliant rise, a nearly devastating stumble, and her celebrated comeback with lessons throughout. And I dare you not to be inspired. Most of us meet Barbie in childhood, as I did. And if my eight-year-old self only knew that someday I'd be working in an office surrounded by Barbies, creating her future, it may not have taken me so long to land at Mattel. Growing up, I was fortunate to have parents who nurtured in me the audacity to believe that I could be anything in a world they knew could be particularly tough on girls. My mom, who worked throughout my childhood, was my first role model and my strong sense of empowerment comes from her. I was also fortunate to attend an all-girls school where I thrived academically, athletically, and in class leadership. Winning as a team was always a priority for me and something I've instilled in my two daughters and the many teams I've led throughout my career. Dad was a lawyer and a judge who always made time to advocate for the advancement of women in those fields, believing diverse voices and perspectives make the world a better place. I couldn't appreciate that as a kid, but as a leader, I've made team diversity a priority, and I can't imagine working any other way. My career has covered a range of industries from fashion to fast food to banking, but when I joined Mattel and rediscovered the Barbie brand, I found a cause and a company I could truly be passionate about. The doll I absolutely loved as a kid is a brand I admire more and more as a grown-up, as a leader, and especially as a mom of girls. She's just incredibly inspiring, which you'll see today as you get to know her. It's an awesome and utterly thrilling responsibility to work for Barbie. And by the way, that's how it really feels. Because despite my formal title, leading the Barbie business is not only about being good at CPG, it's about being great at creating OMG. As Barbie's manager, stylist, agent, accountant, and publicist. Brands like People really are at their best when they live authentically changing and growing over time, fully embracing who they are, including the messiness. And that's the genius of Barbie, because her magic is her humanity. When girls play with Barbie, they see themselves in her. And when my team and I plan her next move, we see us in her too. For those of you who follow the business, you know that Barbie is having a moment a transformation 62 years in the making. The brand has grown consecutively 
since 2015. And 2020 saw Barbie's highest growth in decades. And that momentum continues. But to understand just how far the brand has come, it helps to understand the journey that led her here. So here it goes. Barbie was born in a world and an industry that few people today would recognize. It was a man's world where most industries, including toys, were dominated by men, despite women being the primary consumer. And where the business of toys was focused on creating big hits, not enduring brands, and product features rather than the values those products represented. But post-war California was proving to be a hive for revolutionaries whose ideas were shaking up traditional industries. Among them were entrepreneurs Ruth and Elliot Handler, who were changing the toy industry with their innovative creations. As a working mom with a big career in mid-century America, Ruth was a true trailblazer who wanted to ensure that her daughter Barbara had just as many opportunities when she grew up as her son Ken. Yes, those are her kids' names. In those days, toys made for girls were largely focused on home and family, where girls could imagine themselves as a mom or caregiver whereas toys for boys encouraged role-playing, being a doctor, an astronaut, or a firefighter. But when Ruth watched her daughter and friends play with their paper dolls, she saw they were not only playing with fashions, they were making up stories and imagining their future selves. And that was the genesis of Barbie, an entirely new type of doll play. But right from the start, Barbie was polarizing. Male retail buyers didn't quite get her. They weren't sure how moms would react to a doll with a grown-up body. So when Ruth introduced Barbie at the 1959 American Toy Fair, her pitch didn't focus on the progressive change she believed her invention would inspire. She simply convinced one retailer after another that Barbie would be the holiday hit of the year once girls were exposed to her. And after an expensive TV campaign that almost bankrupted the company, Barbie exceeded expectations. In year one, Mattel sold more than 300,000 dolls. The industry called the new toy sensation a fashion doll. But Ruth knew she'd created something much bigger. The original girl empowerment brand. The formula was simple, purpose times relevance. And it soon proved rich with opportunity. Barbie's focus on cultural relevance had anticipated a defining revolution in workplace and social equality for women that emerged in the 1960s. And stylish career dolls quickly followed representing ever more aspirational opportunities. Through Barbie, girls could dream without limits. But cultural change wasn't only playing out in toy boxes. At Mattel, Ruth welcomed diverse voices to work for Barbie, 
Charlotte Johnson was one of our first lead designers, and like Ruth, a rare female executive in those days. And in the 70s, pioneering African-American designer Kitty Perkins was hired to create an authentic path to diversity for the brand, beginning with the very first black Barbie doll. Not a co-star as Christie and Francie had been in the 60s, but a black lead character in the growing Barbie narrative. As the pace of social change quickened, the real world was catching up to the bold aspirations Barbie represented. By 1985, almost 60% of American women were working outside the home, which had a profound impact on social dynamics. Barbie commercials told a new generation that we girls can do anything, as girls watch their moms do just that. And the introduction of CEO Barbie not only provoked a national discussion on the underrepresentation of women in the C-suite, it coincided with Jill Barad becoming a pioneering Fortune 500 CEO of Mattel. Fast forward to the early 2000s, Barbie celebrated her 50th in 2009 at the top of her game. A fashion and pop culture icon, relevant, successful, celebrated. Loved by girls, endorsed by moms, and amused to some of the most creative thinkers in the world. But just five years later, the Barbie brand was in trouble. While Dove's groundbreaking Real Beauty campaign was celebrating beauty in all forms, boosting women's self-esteem and helping to move the cultural conversation forward, suddenly the Barbie brand, with its singular take on perfection, seemed way out of touch. Instead of evolving who Barbie was, we had distracted ourselves, imagining her as other characters. And when a formidable new Disney princess burst into the scene with a compelling new empowerment story, it was clear that we had misstepped badly. Barbie, the original girl empowerment brand, was losing an important foothold. Barbie brand advertising at that time narrowly focused on product features rather than product values. Sizzle versus substance. Barbie had lost her own narrative. Far from the layered it girl she'd always been, mom started to view Barbie as one-dimensional and worse, uninspiring. To anyone close to the business, it was subtle before it was obvious. We had been shy about innovating. The brand had been atypically quiet as culture, media, and new social pressures often worked against girls. Barbie had always had a reciprocal relationship with women and girls. Barbie inspired them, and in turn, they inspired her. So it was heartbreaking when the doll that had once encouraged girls to be doctors and astronauts turned her back on her original purpose to inspire the limitless potential in every girl. Barbie had stumbled at a moment when girls and moms needed her most, 
and we owed it to them to fix it. Transforming the brand would mean facing hard truths, taking risks at times, making difficult decisions. And it's been worth every step. There are more lessons than we have time for today, but I'll hit the key points of the playbook that has reinvigorated this incredible brand. We began with a recommitment to Barbie's legacy purpose to inspire the limitless potential in every girl. This award-winning campaign was a viral sensation that ignited a modern reevaluation of Barbie from fashion model to role model and restarted an important continuing conversation with girls and their parents across multiple touch points. We also knew we needed to reconnect Barbie to kids. Research had shown us that kids didn't really know Barbie very well, and they wanted to. They were deeply curious about her story, her family, her friends, and how she thought about things. So we leaned into YouTube, and Barbie became a vlogger. Candid, funny, vulnerably, talking thoughtfully about important and sometimes challenging subjects that are relevant to girls everywhere. In this episode, which aired last fall, Barbie shared the mic with her black friend, Nikki, to talk about racism. People did these things to me because I was black and they made the wrong assumptions about me. And they don't make those assumptions about white people like me. And that's not fair because that means that white people get an advantage that they didn't earn and black people get a disadvantage that they don't deserve. Exactly. It's really serious. Some people even get hurt when others think the wrong things about them. That's exactly why people are marching. Because when enough of us stand together, people pay attention. Right. Because when we don't say anything, we're just letting it continue. Well, you listening and being supportive, that's helpful. It's important to keep reading and learning more about black history. And if someone is being treated unfairly, stand up for that person. If we all work together, we can make a big difference. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with me today. With us. Yeah, it's not easy, but it's necessary. This episode earned millions of views within 24 hours of posting, was trending on Twitter the same night as the vice presidential debate, and most importantly, became a tool to help parents have this important conversation with their kids. Today, Barbie has found her voice again, meaningfully reconnecting with kids and hosting the number one girls toy brand on YouTube with 17 million subscribers and 19 billion minutes of viewed content. And that's just one example of the purpose-driven content that's ushering in a new era for the Barbie brand. This fall, we'll introduce an all-new special on Netflix, featuring a diverse, new, and important voice who will star alongside Barbie with a dedicated product line. Purpose has inspired us to think big about how Barbie expresses herself in dolls. Today, children of color are a majority in the US. More and more kids are born multiracial, defying traditional stereotypes. 
and nearly three quarters of all kids have friends of a different race. We watched these trends develop and we were ready. In 2015, we introduced the world's most inclusive line of dolls, featuring seven skin tones, 22 eye colors, and 24 hair types and styles. And today, Barbie dolls represent more than 100 different looks and growing. And we didn't stop there. For 56 years, Barbie's signature shape was a standardized product feature rather than a value statement. And it was increasingly at odds with a growing culture of inclusion, as well as the brand's own purpose and relevance. So in 2016, Barbie's team did the gutsiest thing you can do for an iconic brand. We changed the product, diversifying Barbie's shape to create the most representative line of dolls ever. Girls loved the versatility of swapping their Barbie's clothes and accessories and this change disrupted that system of play and required redesigning everything from Barbie's fashions to her cars and even her dream house. But the cost and risk have been more than worth it. When Barbie stepped out, she quickly became the number one story in the world, scored the cover of Time Magazine, inspired a wonderful documentary film, Tiny Shoulders, and most significantly, generated nearly 100% positive sentiment. A reminder that people love Barbie the most when she takes a stand, and that maintaining brand relevance is never about playing it safe. Today, Barbie diversity represents not only ethnicity and body shape, but forms of identity and disability, including a range of differently abled Barbie dolls. We're immensely proud that diversity isn't simply some small offshoot of the brand. In fact, today, more than half of Barbies sold positively represent diversity because we had the courage to rethink everything. And for those of you that are wondering if these bold moves have also been good for business, the answer is yes. Barbie's been growing double digits and last year was her highest year-over-year -year growth in two decades. While Barbie will never take credit for social change, we always want her to be an inspiring influence on the arc of progress for girls and women. Over the years, we've been heartened to see the reversal of many of the gender-based norms that Ruth Handler quietly challenged in 1959. Today, more women than men graduate from college. 65 women have gone into space. More than 80 countries have been led by a woman. We've seen huge increases in female entrepreneurship, but there's still more work to do. Only 7% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women. And recent research at NYU has shown that unlike boys, many girls lose confidence in their own competence and develop self-limiting beliefs as early as age five. And cultural stereotypes, implicit biases, and representation in media only deepen this issue. Researchers in the US have branded it the dream gap. And it's particularly acute for black girls. So as you can imagine, this didn't sit well with us. 
and we immediately saw an opportunity to do something about it. In 2018, we created the Barbie Dream Gap Project, a multi-year initiative with the goal of leveling the playing field for girls everywhere. Take a look. Let's talk about the Dream Gap. What's that? It's the gap that comes between girls and their full potential. You see, starting at age five, girls stop believing they can be presidents, scientists, astronauts, big thinkers, engineers, CEOs, and the list goes on. Why? Because what else are we going to believe? When by age seven, we're more likely to think that boys are smarter than us. That's ridiculous. When we are three times less likely to be given a science-related toy. That's sad. And when our parents are twice as likely to Google, is my son gifted? Then is my daughter gifted? That's not cool. We need to see brilliant women being brilliant and see how they got to where they are. To imagine ourselves doing what they do. But we can't do it alone. Moms, dads, brothers, and bosses. We need all of you to help. We need to close the dream gap. It's up to all of us. Since founding the Barbie Dream Gap Project, we've funded like-minded, not-for-profit organizations that have powerful vehicles in place committed to developing education, leadership skills, and mentorship opportunities for young girls in the U.S. and globally. This year, we're going even further, funding new research at NYU, expanding pilot programs, and introducing even more inspiring dolls. Barbie will continue to spotlight at least 10 inspiring role models from around the world each year, half of whom will be women of color. And our first ever live stream event, the You Can Be Anything series, will help girls connect to role models who are breaking barriers. It's important to not only see themselves reflected in product and content, but to also see role models who've come before them. The Barbie Inspiring Women series shows girls' historical and present-day role models who've paved the way for generations of girls to dream bigger than ever before, like Dr. Maya Angelou, Rosa Parks, Sally Ride, and Billie Jean King. Through the Barbie Dream Gap Project, Barbie's taken a bold step from influencer to activist. It's our biggest and most ambitious initiative to date, and it feels great not only for the awesome potential to do good, but because we know that this is a movement Barbie was born to lead, as only Barbie can. We're also stepping up to prove the value of doll play to parents so that even more kids can benefit. Barbie recently partnered with researchers at Cardiff University in the UK on the first scientific study using neuroscience to explore the positive impact doll play has on children of all genders. And that research proves what we've long believed, that playing with dolls such as Barbie offers major benefits in preparing kids for the future by nurturing social skills like empathy. 
something 91% of parents care deeply about, according to a recent global study. And that got us thinking, if a doll can help a child develop empathy, then maybe, just maybe, a doll can help change the world. We're beyond excited about this prospect with Barbie leading the charge. We're proud to offer products that can help children develop meaningful skills that will have a lasting impact on how they approach the world around them. As we look to the future, Barbie and Mattel are also committed to doing our part to minimize our environmental impact. This is part of a long journey and we'll be sharing more details around our corporate and brand commitments later this year. And finally, with all of this opportunity, we see continued room for growth and brand expansion. Barbie IP is among the most valuable in the industry. So you'll see us innovate and expand Barbie beyond the doll. With new toy categories like Barbie arts and crafts, Barbie games, expanded lifestyle product, museum exhibits, a highly anticipated theatrical starring Margot Robbie, and maybe even a hit podcast or even a Broadway musical. The possibilities are limitless. It's been incredibly gratifying to see Barbie emboldened again to live her best life and inspiring girls by stepping forward to lead the cultural conversation on girl power as only this brand can. Defining this moment at a moment like none before, I can't imagine a more appropriate and aspirational leader than Barbie. Knowing how far she's come and now helping her create a meaningful impact is profoundly and personally rewarding. Today's brands are expected to take a stand and I couldn't be more proud of Barbie, our team and our many partners. Barbie's remarkable story offers several powerful lessons and I'll emphasize four of these in no particular order. One, brands are stronger for the diversity they represent and inspire. And it starts with your team. None of us alone has all of the answers or all of the best ideas. Diverse voices and perspectives lead to better ideas and better, more relevant product. Yet as diverse as our teams are today, we can always do more. This is a guiding principle for Barbie and Mattel, and we support and encourage diversity across all touch points. Two, evolution makes a brand relevant. Purpose makes a brand immortal. Trends come and go, but values endure. The toy business is full of toys that peak quickly and then disappear but purpose-built brands that are based on an idea that's bigger than product can have staying power for generations. Today's consumers want brands they can believe in and our dedication to brand purpose future-proofs Barbie a little more each day. Three, find your voice. Use it with intention and never shy away from the cultural conversation. Fans love brands for who they authentically are. So never let go of your brand's narrative. It's yours to write and evolve and own. 
And if you don't, others will. And four, take risks because risks are worth taking. A great brand cannot be selectively purposeful, selectively authentic, or selectively brave. Success buys you the opportunity to take greater risks and double down on purpose. Today, we invest every day in the long-term future of the Barbie brand, confident that her future will hold even greater promise than her past. Two years ago, Ad Age honored Barbie as a comeback brand of the decade. And while Barbie is thrilled for that distinction, she'd also like you to know, you ain't seen nothing yet. What a journey you've been on with Barbie. <laughs> yes, journey is the perfect word. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, as I've been thinking throughout the day about, you know, how does a brand even be considered to be a cult brand, you know? And, and I think for most of them, it's, it's, there has to be a, a, a purpose they serve or, or, or a really, a bigger service they provide, I think. And, and you said something that I want to, that I want to speak to that my, I kind of went, and I, as I thought it through, which was, um, you said that girls are imagining their future selves and like, what a responsibility, right? What a, an honor. And I just want to dig into that a little bit as you've spent, you know, quite a bit of time at Mattel and as you've probably carried that responsibility and that, and that incredible, um, privilege, like t tell me about how that seeps into your, your daily existence. Well, it, it is fascinating, um, you know, when you think about um, the, the lightning rod that Barbie can be for a variety of audiences, for, for girls, for, for their parents, for society, and for the team and I. Um, we, we take the job very seriously. We know that girls see themselves in Barbie. We as a team see ourselves in Barbie. We see Barbie as more than a doll. We see Barbie as a platform and an opportunity to reflect what's happening in culture and to connect to consumers and to um, push conversations that, that need to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's incredibly rewarding. And I've got a real passionate uh, group of colleagues. Yeah. Um, so lots of debate and, and it's a ton of fun. How does that spirit go through the halls? Like what's that when, when we're in the halls, uh, post-pandemic <laughs> and pre-pandemic, what is that, what's the day-to-day -day of, of how that kind of comes through uh, the building? Well, again, um, you know, we're, we're, we're actually always kind of thinking about Barbie and thinking about the platform, um, you know, 24 seven. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Many of us were watching the inauguration in the United States this year, very moved by Kamala Harris and her appointment, very moved by Amanda Gorman mm -hmm. um, and her amazing poetry. All of our phones were lighting up. We were all texting each other you know, pulling out quotes from them both and getting inspiration and already immediately brainstorming on things Barbie could do to support those that's amazing great. women, those messages. So that's just one real-time example. Yeah, that's great. Um, one of the things that, that you said, which I, I completely agree with and I want to dig into a little bit, is you said transforming great brands means facing hard truths. And I, I guess I want to start with you, right? As someone that's been there 22 years, I think, right? Yeah. Um, how do you first look at yourself, right? And go, you know, it's time for me to remember to evolve. It's time for me to always be 
thinking about, you know, the hard truth of where I have to go next? Like, what's your, what was the personal journey for you there? And then I want to kind of jump into the business. Well, the personal journey was definitely getting more comfortable with, you know, feedback coming from all sorts of places. Um, not only do we have, um, you know, every year or two, we get a new crew of young marketers that join the team that are from a different generation than certainly I am. And they've got a totally different take on the brand, society at large, the best way to reach consumers. So just getting comfortable with all that new input that's coming and, and being a good listener was a, was a major awakening for me. Yeah. I would also say, though, um, I've appreciated that even within the team, um, you know, we still need perspectives from other places. We've got a lot of diversity on the team, but, you know, we, we need to be comfortable asking for help. And so through the past five years during this transformational journey, we've brought in a ton of folks, advisors. We think of it sort of as a um, board of directors. That's great. For Barbie to just help us see what we don't see and, and point out the blind spots. So as you, drilling into that a little bit, as you, as you think about specifically the product roadmap, yeah. right? When you're this iconic brand with this very iconic figure, you know, not only are you changing her figure, her, her actual image, you're changing like the, the entire categories that this brand plays in. Like talk, talk me through how you guys decide where to go next or how you guys decide, you know, where the brand has a right to play. Well, uh, you know, just to speak specifically about the body transformation, I mean, that was definitely a decision that was not taken lightly. I mean, that, that's sort of in our design language speak, it's called a form factor. And Barbie's had a distinct form factor for decades. Yeah. And so by deciding to add diversity to that, to her body, we knew that there were implications to the way her fashions were going to fit, to the way she particularly fit with the other accessories. You know, we had to make sure that the whole system of play could accommodate all these different shapes and sizes. There were tooling expenses. There was complexity to manufacturing. So there were a lot of factors. Well, it's funny because, I mean, that's, a, I think, part of what people don't think about or realize is like the, the opex required to to, yeah. to make those decisions and to really commit and, and to go down that path i mean you talk about seven skin tones 22 eye colors different hair types like that's different machinery right that's different uh, yeah. whatever it is right yeah um so you know i think about change right and you can do change from the back foot or change from the front foot right and we always want to be changing from the front foot where we're we're evolving and we're and we're we're doing it because there's an opportunity not because there's a problem like it sounds like you guys have have lived in both spaces right yes. you kind of started off a little bit on your back foot but now you're really on your front foot and you know you're you're pushing culture you're pushing the conversation tell me how that transition has gone through the building and how you've become a leader in the conversation well you hit the nail on the head i mean absolutely six seven years ago we were on our back foot and you know we look back on it now and we think gosh we really took a, a little bit too long to react to the changes that were happening in culture. Obviously we started to wake up and began the journey of transformation and um, now we're on a good trajectory, but you're right. Today we are looking to the future. Every conversation is about what's next. We, we take a moment and celebrate some of the wins, but it's always what's next. How are we gonna address this? How do we future-proof this brand? Because we want Barbie to stand the test of time and be here for another 60 years. Well, I love what you said about evolution and purpose and, and i might i don't want to get this wrong but you said 
evolution brings you relevance, but purpose makes you immortal. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never heard that. I think it's fantastic. Like, how does that come into the everyday ethos of Mattel, of Barbie? Well, we are, we, we have a sort of marketing framework called the Mattel Playbook. And um, one of the biggest components of that is being purpose-driven, um, which is grounding yourself in values that are universally held and ensuring that you're reflecting values that society holds dear. Um, and so Barbie as a beacon of empowerment for girls, as a beacon for diversity, inclusivity, and equality, these are values that you can't dispute. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to argue with. And, you know, let's assume they're going to stand the test of time. So that type of a framework should ideally make Barbie immortal. Um, other aspects of our playbook are connecting to culture. And again, that's sort of where the relevance piece comes in. The way you express the brand is going to evolve. The way the product looks and feels, the marketing tone and manner, the content and storytelling, that will evolve with the times um, based on where consumer interests are going and all of that. So that's important. And then, you know, there's other components around design-led innovation and then executional excellence. So those are sort of the four tenets Got it. of our playbook. Well, it's funny, you know, um, there's been some amazing brands on the stage today, and, and I think all of them spoke to kind of deep human truths yes. you know, that, that, are, that are timeless and that are about how we interact as human beings. So I think, again, as a, as a, as a cult brand, that's a space you have to play in and you have to know, you know, what your, your uh, connection is to those human truths and, and be able to recognize them, right? It's bigger than a category, right? But like about how we live our lives. Yes. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to ask you. you. You talked about finding your voice and you talked about taking risks. Again, as I've said earlier today, it's, it's a beautiful thing to say on stage. It's a very hard thing to execute and drive through the company. And I just want to understand from you, like what, what were some of the instances where you have to make that tough decision of like, do we belong in this conversation? Is this within the purview of Barbie? You know, a, a global icon, right? But like, I mean, all the way from this, let's take this past year, like it's just been, you know, you, you pick a topic, there's been some sort of issue that has been a global conversation. You know, when you talk about taking voices, you talk about taking risks, you talk about finding your voice, where do you decide this is a space we belong in and this is a space we don't belong in? It's a great question, and it's something that causes a lot of debate because, you know, we're all human beings, and so, of course, there are a lot of social issues that come up, and, you know, we want to react to them as human beings, and then we want to do something with Barbie the brand as a platform. But um, we do have to be mindful and thoughtful about what we address and what we don't address. I'll give you an example from a few years ago. We wanted to create a doll that's a likeness doll of an Olympic athlete, Ibtihaj Muhammad. She was the first um, fencer, yep. you know, women Olympian um, from the U.S., and she competed wearing a hijab. We had never had a doll in our line with a hijab on it. We thought immortalizing Ibtihaj into a doll would be an interesting way to connect Barbie to that conversation, while at the same time recognizing that she in herself is an amazing role model woman that we wanted to honor as a shiro. So we developed the doll, we launched it, and we got some very mixed reaction. Um, but we stood by it. I gave my CEO talking points. We supported, <laughs> you know, the, the product. We stood by it. And um, it was the right thing to do. And Ibtihaj is an amazing woman. Um, and it's been a pleasure to, to work with her. 
Well, I think, um, well, first of all, I, I applaud you for, for standing by it. I think sometimes you have that moment when you're like, oh, did we do this? Is this right? Is this wrong? And, and I think to, to know you're right and to be able to track it back to your values, right, is when you, you, can, you can kind of stand firm. So I think the other thing I, I would feel about cult brands is, you know, we're not perfect all the time, right? And I think, you know, if you look at the Nikes, Airbnbs, like all these brands have, have had missteps. And I think the ability to turn that into part of your story and then to kind of um, see the positive change that comes from it is a very, very admirable thing. So I want to thank you for inspiring girls to find their limitless potential. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. One of the things that stands out most to me when I reflect on my on-site visit to Mattel, where I went to evaluate Barbie, uh, was their clothing department. An entire floor of the building is devoted to Barbie's wardrobe. And dozens of highly credentialed fashion designers were creating outfits in the same way that you might imagine a team of designers making clothes for Prada or Ralph Lauren. They just took their job so seriously and they understood Barbie's influence as a fashionista. I also like how Lisa spoke about Barbie's role with real life issues like mental health. You know, it's so tough for brands to know when and how to speak up on some really important topics, especially if those uh, appear to be somewhat tangential to your core value proposition. But cult brand leaders understand their core audience and their brand persona so well and their impact on culture, that they learn to walk that fine line and they add value in really compelling ways. You know, Lisa is overseeing a host of new offerings that will make Barbie even more relevant in digital channels and on mobile devices and even on the big screen. That's really what great brand leaders do. They never rest on their laurels and they constantly make big bets to maintain their lead. So keep an eye on this brand, and more importantly, decide which principles and practices that Barbie's team has perfected, and see how your own company can improve in those areas. You don't just need to admire Barbie from afar. We can copy their playbook and apply lessons to a host of different categories and businesses. I hope you do. Until next time. Once again, this is your host, Chris Neeland, and you've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets, where we explore the great speakers and insights shared at The Gathering, a Forbes top-rated business summit. Learn more about The Gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast app. It really helps. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, Learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcast.com. Special thanks to Connor Standish and Laura Winter for their assistance in making this podcast possible. Also, I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. 
Thanks for listening. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.